This is The Purpose Podcast, Episode 5. You're listening to The Purpose Podcast, where our goal is to help you grow through inspirational stories from amazing people who live and work all around the world. For more information about the interviews you're hearing, please visit thepurposepodcast.com. And now, here's your host, Brian Gay. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Purpose Podcast. I'm so glad to have on the line with me today, Ryan Melson, who's uh, one of our missionaries coming to the GIC in 2017, and he is uh, living and working now in New Orleans. And so, Ryan, welcome to the call, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. So, for, well, for those of you that don't don't know you yet, um, just tell us a little bit about your background. Like, where is it that you, you grew up? I actually grew up in the small town of Moulton, Alabama. Uh, you've probably been by the Coleman exit going to Nashville. Uh, so we're just a small community uh, between Decatur and Huntsville and Florence. Uh, one of those little places you stop to get gas and keep going. <laughs> Unless you have family there, which I actually have family that lives up in Moulton. Okay. So that's kind of a cool connection. Yeah. So I'd forgotten that. So we're we're probably like a lot of people in Alabama. We're probably related, right? Probably so. <laughs> um, now, so so did you live there your whole life? I did. Uh, uh, we lived in the Hoover area of Birmingham for about a year uh, when I took a job uh, with a Christian entertainment uh, organization. Uh, but outside of that, Moulton has pretty much been uh, born and raised. That's awesome, man. So, and how? Now, how did you come to the Lord? Did you just kind of go to church from you know young age, or what was, what's your story? Well, I tell people I was in church nine months before I was born. Uh, my mother was extremely devout, made sure that uh, I was there every time the doors were open. In fact, I can recall as a young man asking her at one point if we got summer vacation from church like we did from school, uh, and I, I got a resounding <laughs> no to that. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, my junior year of high school uh, that I became incredibly aware of my own sinfulness before God. Uh, having grown up, going to church, hearing Bible stories, uh, I could sing the third verse of the hymns in the hymn book, uh, but none of that mattered. Uh, it wasn't until uh, God graciously convicted me of my sin and uh, made me aware of my need for Him that I finally repented and trusted in Christ. Uh, and, and that was just a tremendous change in my life right before my senior year of high school. Uh, my attitude changed. My uh, purpose uh, completely changed. Uh, and I didn't know exactly what God would have in store for me yet, but I knew it was going to be good. Wow. That's awesome. So that was right around your junior year of high right. school. And um, so what, you know, take us from there, like what, to go to college, and what did you study at that time? Well, at the time, uh, I did what many of my peers did. I went to a local community college and uh, mm -hmm. ended up going to a, a local church where I met my, my wife, uh, who would be my wife, in 1996. We've been married uh, almost 20 years uh, now. Uh, Michelle, a very patient woman. Uh, <laughs> and uh, once we got married, I, I stopped going to school and felt like, um, you know, I needed to um, get a real job and, and try to provide for my family. Uh, but then I ended up uh, going back to school at uh, the University of North Alabama uh, and, and knowing that I needed to get a degree and to uh, make a better life for them. So I actually pursued a degree in entertainment industry, publicity and promotion. 
that wow. that sounds glamorous, but <laughs> yeah, uh, my my dream at the time was to own uh, my own record label, to do concert promotion, to uh, you know be one of the the music industry uh, guys that worked behind the scenes and made lots of money. Uh, the problem was right around that time, the bottom fell out of the music industry. So, uh, but God was very gracious, and and even now we look back at at that training I got during school and see how we're using a lot of the things I learned uh, for church planting, as far as uh, you know, promoting and and doing networking here in our community for the church, and applying those things that we learned in school to the proclamation of the gospel. So there wasn't any time wasted, even though it might have seemed like it at the time. Yeah. And, and and so now you're there in, in New Orleans, actually. Right. Um, and so what what is your primary role there? Like, what can you tell us about you know, where it is that you serve and what you're doing? Right. Well, when people think of New Orleans, most people immediately think French Quarter. Uh, yeah. You know, they think just the downtown area. But New Orleans and the greater New Orleans area is much larger. We're actually uh, on what's called the West Bank in the Marrero community. Uh, and we are part of uh, the North American Mission Board's SEND Network. Uh, SEND Network has 32 SEND cities all across the country, uh, larger metropolitan areas, greater concentrations of people. Uh, they're wanting church planters to go into those cities in order to reach more people. Uh, so we're one of two uh, church plants on the West Bank. Uh, and there's approximately 30 total in New Orleans itself. Uh, so we're here in the Marrero community, um, have been planting for two years now. Uh, we moved here starting just in our living room. And, uh, you know, there were some weeks when it was just me and my family and uh, wondering if we had made the right decision and uh, if this was actually going to work. But over the course of time, uh, God very uh, graciously began to bring people our way. And uh, we uh, ended up growing out of uh, our living room about a year ago and moved to okay. a local elementary school where we've been meeting ever since. That's awesome. So, and, and just the work is growing. Now, what what kind of people are coming to your church? Because I, I, I actually know that it's not just, you know, your white Caucasian uh, traditional people, oh, right? In, what, in fact, when we moved, one of our prayers was that we would be able to see God uh, work in such a way that the church would be multi-ethnic. Uh, and we, being from North Alabama, where that's not the case at all, uh, knew that it would have to be a work that he did. Uh, so primarily, uh, we've really got uh, a, a very um, diverse congregation. Uh, in fact, uh, I would almost say that you've uh, got a majority African-American. Uh, we've started to see some Hispanic families that have begun to uh, worship with us and and, and to join the church. And then, of course, we've got uh, Caucasians here as well. But uh, one of the things we preach constantly is that the, the way that we see the gospel most clearly declared uh, is when people from all walks of life gather together in one spiritual family. Uh, and for us, it's not just something on paper. It's not just something we dream about. We, we're actually seeing it. Uh, you know, we're actually being able to live that out in community. So uh, people are, are beginning to take notice of this tiny church meeting in a school that uh, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is, uh, that you come and, and, you know, when you're in Christ, you're part of the family. Uh, and, and it's been really great to see some of those walls uh, begin begin coming down in our community. Yeah, oh, that sounds amazing. Well, what, and I, and I love what you said about, you know, just how, 
that's kind of a picture of what the Bible is, because really when we read in Revelation 7, 9, you know, that there'll be people from every tribe, nation, people, and language gathered together at the throne of God. I mean, it sounds like you guys are really experiencing that week by week. Absolutely. So that's awesome. What well, so so you came from the small town, Moulton, you know, like, and again, I know Moulton, that's, that's pretty small, you know, like, I, do you know what the population is of Moulton by chance or what it was when you were growing up? I have up? no idea. I, I'm going to say it was probably about 400. Uh, <laughs> I know, it, I know it was bigger. one less when I left. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, I mean, not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm joking, but it's not really 400, but it's not a very right. big town. And then you go to New Orleans, you know, this is a kind of, you know, major metropolitan right. network. What you know? What was that transition like to go from small t- rural town Alabama to big city New well, Orleans? Well, at first it was terrifying. Uh, we, <laughs> we tell the story when I first came down and, and felt the call to New Orleans. I uh, came down, uh, visited with George Ross, who's the send missionary here, and and really felt like this was where God was going to move us. Uh, you fell in love with the city, fell in love with the people. Uh, you know, it's a very spiritually dark place, so the need is very apparent. And then I went home and told my wife, and Michelle said, you know, when do we leave? Uh, you know, she was ready to go immediately, but we took uh, our family, uh, my children, Aaron, who just turned 16, and Walker, who's 12, uh, two years ago, and we uh, came down just to visit. You know, we wanted to explore for a week and pray and make sure this is what God wanted. And uh, when I was by myself, I was fine. But with my kids in the car, as we crossed over the bridge, uh, to Lake Pontchartrain, I got a sick feeling in my stomach and began to argue with God as to why this was a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> and we got to our hotel, and I managed to get out of the car. I didn't say a word to anybody. I didn't unpack our bags. I marched upstairs, and I locked myself in the bathroom and wow. began to pray, God, don't make me do this. I can't move my family here. Uh, but it was during that time that my, my wife, as, as gracious and kind as she could, began to bang on the door asking me to man up and come outside. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, as I, which, which, I mean, for, <laughs> of course, there's no visual here, right. but Ryan, you're, you're not a small dick guy, right, okay? Right. You know, you're kind of, I mean, if I was going to describe, you know, man, like a man's man, I mean, you're, you know, you're, so for her to tell you the man, right. uh, that's, right. that's pretty funny. Well, well, God has given me a help meet that I needed. And uh, so I was in there, and and a Bible verse came to mind, and I'd been reading through the book of Numbers and uh, had recently read of Joshua, Caleb, and the spies, and and how everybody was terrified, but they took God at his word and said, we can do this. Um, And as I came out and kind of gathered myself, uh, my daughter uh, came to me without knowing a thing of what was going through my mind, said, hey, Dad, where's that verse in the Bible about the spies? At that moment, God had my attention. And uh, we spent the rest of the week praying and looking, but by the end of that time, we knew uh, this is where God wanted us. Uh, we didn't know how long it would be or what the process would be like. Uh, it turned out to be just a couple of months. Uh, that was in March. In July, uh, we were moved down here lock, stock, and barrel. I uh, found a house, found the community we were going to live in, uh, unpacked our bags, looked at each other, and said, what now? <laughs> so that began our church planning journey. What, all right, like, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of get caught in this fear, and and I think some people don't even take that step of driving down to New Orleans or, or you know, flying over the ocean to the to the place where God may be even calling them to go, but what what was it that that kind of became the catalyst for you to, 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 to take that, that step, you know, even from the beginning, you know, before that night in the bathroom, like, right. what was it that you felt God was doing to call you to 
to go? Well, for several years, uh, during that time when I'd been married and, um, you know, gone back to college and all these things, there was a spiritual lapse for me, uh, almost a Jonah type experience. In fact, uh, Michelle often told me that she was afraid to go to the beach during that time. She thought a whale (laughs) would get me, um, where I had run from the call of God on my life and, and decided to do my own thing. Um, but, uh, once we, once I repented of that, uh, and began to talk to some people about church planting, they knew my background and, and thought that I had the, the DNA to go and to do that particular ministry. So as we began to explore it, uh, we, it became very apparent. This is the path God wanted for us. We just didn't know where. Uh, mm-hmm. so we spent uh, about five years, uh, in church and, in, in uh, the Muscle Shoals area, uh, in fact, I ended up on staff there uh, working with the college students uh, and began just praying, saying, you know, we know eventually we're going to go somewhere. We're just not sure where. But we sort of wrote a blank check uh, to God and said, wherever you want us to go, that's where we'll be. Uh, so uh, at first we thought it might be the Memphis area. Then we uh, just sort of left that open until I came to New Orleans. And, and when we came, uh, you know, I didn't hear any audible voices or see any dreams or anything strange it was just i knew in my heart this was it uh and and once you once you know that you know god doesn't expect you just to sit back and dream about it you've got to take a step of faith toward it uh to do to not do so would have been disobedient so uh, the only way that we would have known if this was where god wanted us was to actually come down and check it out you know, we did the same thing with Memphis, and while we were there, you know, both Michelle and I agreed, you know, neither one of us felt like this was where we were supposed to be. Uh, you know, nothing ominous, just we, as we prayed, we knew this was not the location God had for us. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was when we both came down here, it was the exact opposite. And uh, and we knew, even with my uh, <laughs> end around in the bathroom, that this was where God <laughs> wanted us to be. That's awesome. The um, Now, what... Um... In what ways has your entertainment degree, you mentioned that earlier, and I kind of want to circle back around to that, but um, yeah, so, so so what's the full degree again? What, how did you describe it's it? It's called Entertainment Industry Publicity and Promotion. See, just half of the degree was probably learning how to say that. Exactly. But, <laughs> but, you know, no, but in, in what ways has that degree helped you? I mean, because obviously today, you know, we're, we're to be in the world, but not of the world and things like that. I mean, like, how have you been able to apply that? That's very particular uh, education to to what you're doing. Well, now. that degree taught me, uh, in a sense, how to network, how to promote. Uh, whether it was a concert, whether it was a recording artist, uh, you're wanting to get information out to the public, either to buy tickets or buy albums, or uh, you know, just just being creative in how you promote a particular artist or venue. Uh, so a lot of what I learned there had to do with working with the public. Uh, and, and wanting them to do a particular thing, uh, and in that world, it's to spend their money. Uh, but in, in the world of, of Christianity, we know that we've got something far more valuable than attending a concert or buying an album. Uh, so just just to you know, in in a way to to apply what we learned during that time is to you know, obviously God's word is what's central. Uh, but that that degree wasn't wasted in a sense that now we're still working with the public. We're just not trying to sell them something. You know, we've got we we're holding out to them the gospel, which which changes lives. Uh, so 
uh, in a way, uh, you know, there's some things I learned in my degree that that could be construed as manipulative because you want uh, to, uh, you know, the, the means to the end. You just want to get the result. Uh, and so you can't apply all of it. Uh, but at right. the same time, you, uh, you learn how to deal with people. Uh, you learn how to deal with the public. You learn how to uh, present uh, the church in a particular way to the demographic that you're reaching out to. Uh, and, and for instance, you know, the church is for everybody. But when we moved here, uh, we prayed that God would show us where he was at work and we wanted to join him. Uh, where he has been obviously at work in the neighborhoods that we're in is far different from what we expected uh, that when we first arrived. Uh, so, so reaching out to the people in the neighborhoods we're in right now looks a lot different from, say, rural North Alabama. So how you approach talking about church, how you approach, uh, you know, what kind of events do you do to help in the local school, for instance, to reach out to that neighborhood. Those kind of things kind of came into play from what God taught me during that time back then, even when I didn't realize he was, uh, to how to apply those things now. Yeah, and, and how, you know, when you're reaching out to these different uh, ethnicities, uh, you know, are you finding that you're applying different strategies to reach the different groups? You know what's funny? Not really. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and that might sound contradictory, but, you know, let's give you an example. You know, for instance, if we go and do a backyard Bible club in, uh, say, a, a, one of our African-American contexts, uh, you know, we set up our sound system. We're not going to play Casting Crowns. Okay. They're going to wonder, what are these strange people doing out in our apartment? Uh, <laughs> we're going to play a, a, a style of music that's going to perk up their ears and make them want to come say, what's going on out here? Uh, so those kind of small things, you know, we use. But in the grand scheme of things, people are people. You know, the gospel is for uh, every person, no matter who they're from, who they are, where they're from, what their background is. Uh, so we don't go into a neighborhood thinking, how do we reach African-Americans different from Caucasians, different from Hispanics? You know, we just go in saying we're here to proclaim the gospel to whoever lives here. Um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously it's the Holy Spirit that does the work of, of drawing people to repentance and faith. Uh, so we just go in and love people. You know, we don't make an issue of the eth ethnic differences. We're just uh, family loving on other families. Uh, and, and that's kind of shown through in everything that we've done. Um, and in fact, a lot of Sundays as we gather, we don't make a point to say, look at our multi-ethnic congregation. You know, it's, right. it's we're a spiritual family. Uh, and, and other people that come in that might be a first-time guest, I know they notice, uh, but we don't wave that flag every week. It's just evident in how we gather and how we treat each other. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, what what do you find is are the best ways? Um, we were talking before we started recording about how you've had a lot of mission teams uh, come down this summer, and uh, and of course our church even sent down a team this summer as right. well. But you know, what what are the best ways that people can come alongside you and and help with what you're doing down there? Sure. Well, we always give them uh, the three P's. Uh, we talk about prayer, participation, and provision. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, prayer is the single most important thing. Um, you know, no matter who you are, you can pray. Uh, That's right. I say all the time, prayer is not part of our strategy. That is the prayer strategy. is our strategy. Exactly. 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 There's absolutely no way that we could be doing the work here without the prayer support uh, of the saints everywhere. Uh, so praying for our family, praying for the church, 
uh, praying for our community. That's number one, single most important thing. Uh, we also talk about participation. You know, teams like First Baptist uh, Montgomery come down and uh, serve with us in various ways. We do a lot of neighborhood canvassing. Uh, there's about 38,000 people in Marrero. Uh, and, of course, we call ourselves West Bank Baptist Church because eventually we're going to reach outside of Marrero to the other communities. Uh, but, you know, going into neighborhoods with a simple survey, uh, finding out who those people are that are interested uh, in the gospel and interested in learning more about the church, and we follow up with visits afterwards. Uh, our backyard Bible club ministry in the apartment complexes here, uh, starting with the families. Uh, you know, it's typical vacation Bible school type material. Uh, in fact, we tell churches, just bring what you've done already. You know, don't try to recreate the wheel. Just come down and, uh, and share the same things with our students that you have with yours. And then our team gets to interact with the adults, with the parents, with the grandparents, uh, and having some gospel conversations then. Uh, and then the provision part, you know, uh, being a church plant, we are uh, several years from being self-sustaining, um, especially in the context that we're in. Uh, so we have churches that come alongside and, and provide financial support for us and, and help us to actually uh, do the ministry here on the ground that, you know, uh, our, our tithes and offerings aren't going to cover for probably quite some time. So uh, those three things are the primary ways that churches and individuals can come alongside of us. That's great. What, um, speaking of prayer, you know, prayer being the most important thing, what are some prayer needs that you guys have right now? Well, uh, the biggest thing we're asking prayer for uh, is that God would raise up uh, godly leaders uh, from our congregation. Uh, we've got a great small team of seminary students that have uh, helped us get started, uh, but I've told them that I want them to be the last seminary students leading. Uh, we're wanting to <laughs> yeah. disciple people from the community. Uh, we, we currently have 28 members total uh, who uh, are actually not just coming, but actual members of West Bank Baptist Church. Uh, and out of those, we're, we're praying for men to be raised up to take the roles of elders and deacons in the, in the future. Uh, in fact, one of our uh, men that's been with us for, for almost the entire time now, uh, we have begun deacon training with him, and, and the Lord willing, he'll be installed as our first deacon uh, in January. Uh, so that we're working and praying toward that. So that, that's the big thing, especially in the context that we're in. It, it's important uh, for, for families to see men stepping up into those roles of godly leadership. Uh, so we want that, that's, that would be one of the first things. Uh, I, I would also just, just say that, uh, that God would continue opening doors for the gospel. Uh, this is an extraordinarily difficult context. Uh, you know, most of the uh, religious background of people here is, is Roman Catholic. Uh, in some of those neighborhoods, they don't even want to talk to us. Uh, the minute they hear the word Baptist, the door gets closed. Um, mm. In some of our other contexts, there are, uh, people have uh, come out of what we would consider a prosperity gospel background where uh, the gospel has been so uh, convoluted and so uh, misapplied that they don't even know which end is up. So, uh, you know, when, when we come alongside of them, you know, it's almost like detox, you know, trying to unravel what they've been taught. Uh, a lot of people, all they have is what they picked up from the television, from what their grandmother told them, you know, what something they saw on Facebook and, and that's it. Uh, so, so praying that God would continue to open the eyes of people from these different backgrounds and, 
you know, we, we often say here that work in greater New Orleans is like plowing concrete. Uh, you, you, you don't plow concrete. It's, it's hard. Uh, but it takes a long time. It takes just steady, faithful, uh, chipping away at that hard exterior. Uh, and, and God has been very gracious to, to uh, open people's eyes here. You know, we, we've had, had people that we have been praying for since we've been here that have come to faith in Christ, that have joined the church, uh, the brand new baby Christians learning to walk this faith out. And, you know, as, as part of the joy that we have here is, is being able to disciple them and seeing them grow in their faith. So uh, a lot of, of what we're looking for and needing prayer in right now is just seeing those godly leaders raised up, uh, praying that we are able to disciple them in a way that helps all of our members to grow uh, and that God would continue uh, plowing that concrete up in front of us uh, so that more people could come to faith in Christ. That's awesome. Well, hey, Ryan, um, this has been really awesome. I, I've, I've just loved getting to know your story, and, and we're really looking forward to having you come to the GIC anyway. in February. Um, what What's something that you're looking forward to uh, from the GIC? What is it that you're hoping maybe to achieve during that, that event? Well, one thing we always enjoy uh, when going to visit different churches is to get to to put faces to names, you know, to uh, we understand that it's more um, than just, uh, you know, a, a church sign. We know there's people in that building and, and yeah. to be able to go and to interact uh, with, with people that we might not get to see or talk to otherwise and to, and to just kind of put flesh and blood on it, you know. Uh, it's never failed anytime we've been to a supporting church. We leave from there and, and just the connections that we make with people that uh, let us know and, and put faces when people from First Baptist Montgomery send us a card or, or text us or, or say, hey, we're praying for you. We know they are. You know, We can actually mm-hmm. see their faces and know their names. So that would be the biggest thing for us. Uh, and, and then just getting to be a small part of what you guys are doing around the world. Uh, I know you have mission uh, groups and, and missionaries and church planners from, from a lot of different places. So just getting to see how we're just a very small part in the overall ministry there at First Baptist Montgomery uh, makes us feel like, you know what, we're, we're on the same team and, and, and uh, heading in the same direction. So it's always encouraging. That's awesome. Well, one more question. That's sure. just, um, uh, you know, this is called the Purpose Podcast. Sure. And what would you say is your purpose? Uh, my purpose is to glorify God with every breath that I have <laughs> and, and to uh, see other people enjoy that same relationship with him that I have. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about the church or the work or just you personally? Sure. How, how can well, they get a hold uh, of you? Our website is wearewestbank.com, uh, and there's information on there about our family, uh, about the church. Uh, just There's several links on there that can give you more information about what God is doing here in greater New Orleans. Wearewestbank.com. Yeah. All right, we'll check it out. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in February. That's great, man. God bless. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Purpose Podcast. For more information, please visit thepurposepodcast.com.